0: On this prequel episode, we've got our Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy fan poll follow-up. We're learning about E.L. James and previewing Fifty Shades Darker. (music) Hello and welcome back to this film's podcast where we talk about movies that are based on books. We want to get right into it with our patron shout-outs. I put up with you because your father and mother were our finest patrons, that's why. No new patrons this week, but we do have our Academy Award winners, and they are Steve from Arizona, Paul, Kat Ensminger, Ben Wilcox, Jeff Niederhofer, Teresa Schwartz, Ian from Wine Country, Just Another Patron, Winchester's Forever, Kelly Napier, Gray Hightower, Eli Youngs, Gratch, Just Gratch, Shelby Says It Calls From The Veil is out now, That Darn Skag, V Frank. I also find Tom Hardy interesting and Alina Starkov. Thank you all very much for supporting us and continuing to support us at the $15 patron level. You're all truly the best. All right, Katie, let's find out what people had to say about Tinker Taylor soldier spy.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, that's just like, uh, your opinion, man. All right, on Patreon, we had three votes for the movie, one for the book, and one listener who couldn't pick between the two. Steve from Arizona said, can we choose neither? Yes, that is an option. Uh, yep. uh, I watched this movie when it came to the theaters, and I was so entranced, entranced is not scare quotes, mm-hmm. by it. I literally took a 20-minute bathroom break in the middle of this movie and didn't care if I missed important information this is literally the only time a movie has aggravated me to the point of disinterest during my film projectionist days i had to screen movies like marcy x or marcy 10 i don't know i've never heard i think of it's that. marcy
0: x i have that uh on the good better bad, bad bad shelf somewhere back here steve may have sent it in i don't know somebody impossible. sent us that film
1: uh marcy x or 10 gods and generals how to lose a guy in 10 days uh giggly it's, giggling, Geely. It G- it's Geely.
0: it's Geely. It's
1: um, Gigli Swept Away and White Chicks uh, I've only seen How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days I, I have, have
0: those. not seen any of those um, It's funny, somebody just I just watched a video about Gods and Generals Literally yesterday About how it's a terrible, it's a Civil War Movie, but it's like, mm-hmm. it's literally Like, um, Lost Cause, like, like uh, Confederate propaganda That was oh. made in like 19 or like 2000 or one or something like that um by this strange producer writer guy and it's it's very much apparently again i have not seen it i just watched a video from like a civil war history channel or something on youtube about how that film is legitimately like just awful like propaganda that it tries to recuperate the image of the confederacy
1: um, I would not call How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days that bad of a movie. I, I, from what I've heard, I didn't kind think it of a, was very bad. Kind of a mediocre, like, middling chick flick from yeah. the early 2000s. Yeah.
0: um
1: Anyway, Steve from Arizona went on to say, Yeah, those terrible films were way more interesting. Needless to say, this movie was so bad. I am glad you are back on the Fifty Shades nightmare train. I don't even want to read the book. Let's just leave it there because I will be morphing into a level of frustration and insanity akin to Brian's reviews of the Billy Owens movies. Seems likely.
0: The, I mean, it, the, I I. it's not a book I have any interest in reading.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: San, or, you know, now that I've watched the movie. Not one of those where I'm like, oh, maybe I would check out that book. Mm, no, nah, I'm yeah. good. I'm good. Yeah. The movie I, I was as... Uh, yeah, as as uninteresting as I generally found the film, I can only imagine the book would for me would be worse. Again, you picked the book, but anyways.
1: I think you could probably pay me enough to read the sequels, but I wouldn't read them on my own.
0: Right. Yes.
1: <laughs> Ian from Wine Country said 100 percent on board with Brian here. This is a very well-made movie with an astoundingly talented cast, and I couldn't have cared less.
0: Yeah, that's fair. It seems like that's a pretty uh, consistent Yeah Opinion
1: Yeah Lost Remote Control said The movie wins But first I gotta come at, Bri- at Brian for his butter taste
0: Margarine <laughs> I knew tastes I that would ruffle somebody's feathers <laughs>
1: Margarine tastes off on toast Um I guess I'm, I've just lived below the poverty line for too long I don't really notice I
0: Well and honestly I don't <laughs> even know if butter is More expensive than margarine at this point anymore anyways But um it, I guess it depends on the margarine you get, but yeah, because that used to be the thing. It's like margarine was like much cheaper than butter. Yeah. I don't know if that's even the case anymore. I it probably no is, but I don't know. I just am a big fan of margarine. I think it's fine. I like it on toast. I like when you get good margarine. Uh, I, I've always been, uh, since I'm a child, we've always used, I can't believe it's not butter. Mm-hmm. So what I grew up on, and I've maybe I'm just <laughs> biased from having literally had nothing. Else. I mean, we had butter occasionally, but we pretty much... Pretty rarely.
1: We pretty much only used butter for like baking.
0: Yeah, is similar. Like we baking. used it for baking. We were and country crock people. My grandma <laughs> had country crock, but my mom was big on the I can't believe it's not butter. So yeah. And I like now the one we always get is the I can't believe it's not butter. The olive oil mm-hmm. one, I think, or it, it's like a slightly different version of it. And I really like that one. I think it's got good flavor. Spreads good. the spreading is the thing for me. <laughs> I hate. And I know like you just leave it out. Like the like that's part of it is like where butter that you're gonna use for that, you just leave it on the counter or whatever, right. but that's weird to me. I don't like that. And spreading <laughs> even remotely cool butter <laughs> is impossible, and I hate it.
1: It's also hard to leave butter out when you have like nosy cats.
0: Well, yeah, I mean you get a little little butter dip like our the. Cats, I cover.
1: know our cats are pretty nosy <laughs> yeah, though. Yeah, they
0: might knock off the lid and, <laughs> and get their nose in there.
1: Anyway, um Lost remote control went on to say, and back to the movie, I will quote my wife, quote, that was a beautifully filmed nap. There you go. Now that being said, I am not exactly sure why I would vote movie other than not having read the book. I mean, that's fair.
0: Fair. Yeah. And again, I don't, I I didn't completely hate watching the movie. I like, Mm -hmm. I found it interesting at times and I found it enjoyable enough. I wouldn't recommend it to most people. I might recommend it to like, my dad yeah <laughs> like maybe but he would probably fall asleep honestly <laughs> like there's I, I wouldn't recommend it to most people but it's also again like as other people have said it is a it's a well-made film and it's not like bad it's just
1: my mom commented ugh. on just like just i do remember our that, random yeah. posts for this and said something like i really wanted to like this movie yes, or something and then like, like that and just didn't yeah <laughs> our last comment on patreon was from jeff Niederhofer. Uh, the patron who, who requested, yes, requested tinker taylor soldier spy and jeff said i had a feeling this one would generate an interesting discussion i've never read the book but your reading of the film as a subtle rumination on toxic masculinity exactly encapsulates the main reason i love it well
0: i'm glad you got out of this i'm glad <laughs> we could identify that vein and tap it so you could get out of this what you were looking for that's good
1: I agree with what I take to be Brian's point That the narrative is relatively uninteresting But that doesn't matter to me Because I'm here to watch apathetic, self-loathing Privileged white men trying hard to be relevant
0: You know, and that's fair, I that's, get that like I, I said, And you
1: know, if that's what you're here for That's what you're here for Pick the great yeah. film
0: for it what is, You get what it's right on the ten um, <laughs> Yeah, no, I, and I, like I said The movie did, uh, mentioned several times in that episode The movie definitely grew on me in retrospect, mm-hmm. and 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 I enjoyed it more thinking about it afterwards than I did watching it. Yeah. <laughs> so.
1: Yeah, I definitely enjoyed our discussion of it more than I enjoyed either watching or reading it.
0: Yeah, and I enjoyed our discussion of it more than I anticipated going into having the discussion of yeah. the film. Like yeah. you know, as we were like, but you know, as I was doing the notes and stuff, and then you know, up until we started recording, I I, I didn't really. Not that I, I just wasn't expecting to be to to have as interesting of a discussion mm-hmm. as we ended up having, so
1: yeah. All right, over on Facebook, we had one vote for the movie and three for the book, and we had one comment. Uh, it was a long one from Andy, who said, "I voted book. I agree that the film is clearly well made, but for me, it represents a huge missed opportunity. When uh, Car- I keep forgetting how to pronounce his name. I think it's Lacara. I found uh." It was like a, an interview from NPR or something. That they're usually pretty Licara, good about that kind yeah. of stuff. I was going to say they're usually, they usually are. Uh, when Lakara wrote the book, uh, much of the Cambridge Five story was not yet declassified and the extent of it was not known publicly. He was limited in what he could write and had a poor reception to his more openly critical novels like The Looking Glass War. Kim Philby, real-life Bill Hayden, was from the upper class, but during college came to genuinely believe that the rise of fascism around the 30s was linked to capitalism and empire. After the initial defections and scandal, he continued to operate for 10 more years and then escaped to Moscow. There was no George Smiley to catch him or scold him for being Stalin's lapdog. He even wrote a memoir in which he confirmed everything that Lakara hinted at in the book— that he was able to operate so long because of class prejudice, incompetence, and self-interest in Emma in, it's MI six, right? Yeah, MI six. Uh, this is the internet in 2020, so I have to state I'm not a tanky <laughs> or support or supporter of author, authoritarians. Yeah, no, that's but fair. Imagine the film if it delved more into Hayden, suggesting.
0: I was uh, no, sorry, I wasn't trying. Trying to stop. I was just. I was. I was. Finding this interesting, um sorry, continue. I will let you finish
1: before. um imagine the film if it had if it delved more into Hayden, suggesting that part of his motivation or ideas had some truth to it, that we bore some responsibility for his radicalization and if he got away. The characters would have to take a much harder look at themselves, and so would we, the viewer, and of course, for real life George Lakara. The story ended at having to quit the service. There was no second chance. The issues are there in the film, but rather than being subtle, I think they're underexplored.
0: I don't think those issues are even there in the film. I got yeah. none of the class stuff, mm-hmm. uh, his motivations being remotely tied to um, a critique of capitalism and, and, and the uh, imperialism or anything yeah. like that.
1: <clears throat> well, then a lot of that is and he has a much longer like villain monologue at the end. Yeah after he gets caught and a I lot think of that is, there is may, from that.
0: yeah i'm trying to remember there may have been a little bit of it in the speech that i it, like in his conversation with um smiley at the end that i'm just not recalling but my i the reason i was i was excited i think that's a really interesting angle and i would have loved to seen that explored more as andy's kind of saying here um I didn't, you know, I, I again, I would not have a, the movie takes Hayden's motivation at least from the what we what I what what we discussed and turns it into one of a um a man a, a privileged white dude grasping for relevance in a world no longer in yeah. need of him or whatever you know
1: which which is a, which a is lot the, of what the book is about yes, but there are there. other like layers and levels but that's to it. true
0: for every character yes. in the in, in the film whereas Hayden it sounds like at least from what Andy is saying here at least his real life analog, um, whatever the guy's name, Kim Philby, um, his motivation was potentially a lot more interesting and nuanced. And, and again, I being, you know, the lefty that I am would have loved to see that explored. Um, I think that's a really interesting, and then yeah, Smiley having to confront Mm whatever, whatever he said here at the end, um, uh, taking the characters would have to take a harder look at themselves. um, and kind of confront the motivations of uh, of Hayden and why he did what he did and um as an examination of capitalism versus yeah i think that's really interesting I, I i don't think i agree that the movie does not remotely get into that in a way um that that i even really noticed yeah. so
1: which like i said in my my final verdict is a, a large reason that i gave it to the book mm-hmm. the book just did a better job of accomplishing what this story had set out to do. Yeah. All right. Uh, over on Twitter, we had three votes for the movie and one for the book.
0: Also real quick, the class prejudice thing. I, <clears throat> it was Hayden. I, I didn't get any hint in the movie that Hayden came from.
1: So it's discussed a different... at a couple different points in the book. Um, not like in depth from my memory. Uh, But it is discussed that like all of the upper level guys in the Secret Service are like they come from the upper class. Um, So there's this issue of kind of like like the ego like we talked about and the complacency and the like self-interest and like trying to put your own self forward um, rather than caring about like. The group effort, right? I guess. Yeah.
0: Interesting. Um, very interesting. Yeah,
1: which is, uh, yeah, not something that's present in the no. movie. No. I guess you could read it into the movie if you knew. Yeah, I think if that, you knew,
0: you probably could. Yeah. But uh, yeah, not knowing, it's a, again maybe on a rewatch, I would know. Like now mm-hmm. knowing it, uh, yeah, I think I might. But initially, I did not get any of that. Huh. Interesting.
1: All right, so on Twitter we had three votes for the movie and one for the book. Shelby says, It Calls from the Veil is out now. Said, Your discussion of blonde Benedict Cumberbatch threw me back to a theater in 2013 when I watched The Fifth Estate, the movie I had never heard of. Yeah. Uh, he has bleach blonde hair and does an Australian accent in that movie. I haven't thought about it since I saw it. And she also shared uh, like a GIF. Yeah. And... <laughs> It was horrific
0: <laughs> yeah well I I was aware of that film I forgot about it I never saw it but he plays Julian Assange in that movie that's mm. who he is and that's why he has the the, the blonde like long hair is yeah he's playing Julian Assange mm. uh, because that movie's all about like that whole deal with Assange yeah. and everything that went went down over there uh with him and whatnot um <clears throat> but yeah that's that's apparently what it's about and and so yeah that's why he looks like that but it's not it's not a good look for Ben <laughs> no he's
1: that. not. Some, like, I feel all these directors out here, like, here we have this man who looks like an alien. Yeah. Let's make him look more, more like, like an alien. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. And our other comment on Twitter was from Kelly Napier, who said, I LOL'd when Katie mentioned getting the character name wrong because of listening to the audio book. Because um, so I thought, William was being pronounced was just a weird William William for most of the audiobook uh since a similar blunder is how my middle daughter got her name I was listening to an audiobook and there was a character named Alina I loved it and mentioned it to my husband who loved it too he asked me how it was spelled and I said very confidently E-L-I-N-A So we went with it. It wasn't until she was almost a year old that I got my hands on a physical version of the book and realized to my horror that the character was actually spelled A-L-I-N-A, not E-L. We laugh about it now, but the name, even with its off-spelling, fit her perfectly was it, shadow and, bone? That's literally was it what I, shadow and bone that's
0: literally what i was thinking <laughs> i was looking up to see when that came out and i think it could work because yeah i thought the same thing i was like well the main character's name in shadow and bone is alina so that might be it um which kelly i don't know if you know i think we did a bonus episode we did yes
1: and we i think did. kelly
0: would have probably been a patron at that maybe not if you haven't go back and look we did talk about the tv series um I've read all the Shadow and Bone books uh, and we loved the series I really enjoyed the series uh, the Netflix series mm-hmm. um and I've read the Six of Crows and the other whatever the other one is. Um but anyways, yeah, uh, I, I that may not- I'm sure there's quite I'm a sure few there, novels.
1: I'm sure there are other fictional characters <laughs> named, named Elena, Elena. <laughs> But I,
0: I had the exact same <laughs> thought when when I saw that. I was like, "What?" <laughs> because the spelling too makes it like yeah. the, that is how yeah. it's spelled, so. Let us know if that's what it is
1: on instagram we had zero votes for the movie and three for the book uh the dapper chelsea guy said in my opinion this film is absolutely dire the 1979 (laughs) bbc series adaptation is the definitive (laughs) version to watch
0: i would expect no different opinion from the dapper chelsea guy That's amazing. I mean,
1: I, I'm sure that the, the BBC yes. series had I'm sure that, you know, we talk a lot on here about how TV can delve more yeah. into I believe I looked what the book is doing. So.
0: I believe I looked it up in that mini series. It was like three episodes or something. Mm-hmm. And I believe it's like four or five hours. So yeah. they have a lot more time to, yeah. to explore stuff than uh, than the film did, obviously. And it's got Alec Guinness. <laughs> I mean, this movie has a lot of good, great characters. Yeah, 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 for sure.
1: And Tim Wahoo.
0: Tim Wahoo. Tim
1: Wahoo uh, replied to our uh, poll story and said, Book has a nice cover. There you go. Which the, the version that I chose for all of the graphics was a nice cover. It's very interesting looking. That's
0: one way to vote. Um, I mean, <laughs> just vote on the cover versus the movie. <laughs> uh, they DVD say you shouldn't art.
1: judge a book by its cover, but you certainly can. You certainly can. So. Nobody
0: will stop you, they may just judge you for it. But, <laughs> anyways, Katie, where did we uh, end up on this
1: one? Our winner this time was the book with a very slim lead. Um, eight votes to the movie's seven, plus our one listener who couldn't decide between the two
0: fantastic uh so yeah pretty pretty much split even uh with a slight edge for the book which is what you picked so there you go all right it's time now for us to learn a little bit about the author behind our summer series this year e l james
1: no matter what anybody tells you words and ideas can change the world so uh, we were going to do something else for this. Um, yeah, and we're still going to do it. We're that. still going to do it. But it was it's kind of a more like research and writing heavy segment yeah. that we ended up not having time for. So we're pushing it off to our, our final prequel episode yeah. for this series. Um. So I thought perchance we could return to the source.
0: <laughs> to sleep perchance to dream. <laughs> um-
1: I was hoping that some of El James biographical information would help me understand her, uh, but alas, there was <laughs> there was very little biographical information which to be is found. wild
0: because I feel like she's been interviewed quite a bit. Yeah, I don't know.
1: Um, although British listeners, I'm going to talk about like where she grew up and where she went to school. So if that oh, me- if mean that more. means anything to okay. you, let us know. Because I don't know, like, the cultural right. Association You don't know what's
0: posh and what's not. Exactly. And they, British people will probably yes. know what's posh and what's not. Yeah, so So, uh, so, so the dapper in. guy, the dapper Chelsea guy, <laughs> we're going to need you to weigh in on this one.
1: Um. So Erica Mitchell, and she spells her name with a K, Erica, uh, also known by her pen name E.L. James, also known by her web name Snow Queen's Ice Dragon. Which is... I'm never ever gonna stop saying her her web name. I love it so incredible. much.
0: Incredible. I was gonna talk shit, but then I was like, I remember names I made up.
1: Snow Queen's all one word. Life. <laughs> Ice Dragon all one word. Yeah, absolutely incredible. Amazing. Um, she's a British author, obviously best known for the Fifty Shades of Grey trilogy, as well as its companion novels, oh, of which there are three. Oh,
0: god. And I only was aware of like the one where it's is is it, is it just it's all, it's all three, all three from, from his, his perspective, perspective? Okay. again. Yeah, I didn't know if it was like one from his perspective and then something else entirely. Or okay,
1: no, my understanding is that they are all just the same yeah, books from that his makes perspective. sense. That makes
0: sense at least.
1: Uh, Erica was born in 1963 to a Chilean mother and a Scottish father who was a BBC cameraman. Okay, uh, that was all Wikipedia said.
0: Fair enough. <laughs>
1: Um, she was brought up in Buckinghamshire.
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying that's posh, but it sounds posh. But then again, everything in everything, England sounds Everything
1: posh. in England sounds uh, I don't know about a, little, everything. a little posh to an American. Yeah,
0: I don't know. Buckingham, Buckinghamshire or whatever. Because you never pronounce them how you think. It's I always that one was. Maybe it is. But
1: like Buckinghamshire, I don't know.
0: I don't, usually Shire is not um, Shire. It's usually sh- like Sure or something. But. Again,
1: I'm American. All I know is bad chocolate and tea and harbor. That's all I know.
0: Bad chocolate?
1: Yeah, Europeans are always complaining about our chocolate. Did you not know Oh, that? yeah, we have bad yeah, chocolate. Yeah, we have bad chocolate.
0: Yeah, okay, sure. But I <laughs> I thought you were saying they had bad chocolate. Yeah. No. no. Um. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. I, well, I... Well, I just... Because like, I, I think Shire is usually... Because that's a thing that, I at least from my memory, they always yell about the, the brits always yell about when when americans are like shire and it's like it's sure like derbyshire i think is right, like derbyshire whatever anyways i don't know but, but this then one it, may be buckingham but then shire also
1: the shire so well that's
0: not it yeah right i know i who knows i don't know
1: um so anyway she was brought up in that place uh and went to school at piper's corner school and wycombe Probably Wickham. A Wickham.
0: I don't know. I'm saying probably. It's spelled like Wycombe. Yeah, (laughs) it's
1: W-Y-C-O-M-B-E. I wouldn't be surprised Um, if it's Wycombe. That was the high school she went to uh, before studying history at Kent University. Yeah. Um, After leaving university, she worked as a studio manager's assistant at the National Film and Television School. Okay. Um, Her husband is a novelist and screenwriter. Mm -hmm. Uh, They have two sons. It's about all of her biographical information. Not a whole lot going on there. Um, But I did find some additional tidbits about the birth of this wonderful series that we're discussing. Fantastic. Um, And they're pretty amazing. Uh, So in late 2008, she saw the movie Twilight. This was not a thing I was aware of, that this actually started with the movie and not the books. Really? She saw the movie. And became intensely absorbed with the novels that the movie was based Interesting. on. Interesting. So she went backwards. Now, <laughs> yes. This is from Wikipedia, and I'm going to tell you what I believe and what I do not believe. Okay. It says she read the novel several times over in a period of, few da- of a few days. I do not I, believe that's that. That's
0: insanity. I do not I, believe that. You, I mean, I, I say that's insanity. I'm sure there are people who do stuff. Like, when I was a little kid, I could see myself reading. Because I used to watch the same movie, like, every... Fu- freaking day sure but yeah, but like, reading this she, it's a 500 page novel to just back to back to back that well thing is and, wild and i
1: feel me. like the implication here is that she read all of them several times over
0: oh it, it says, it says novels. novels okay yeah
1: and that's a lot
0: yeah I, I i initially thought that just meant the first one but yeah uh-huh. no i see it okay. does say novels
1: so i don't believe that um but then it went on to say, and then for the first time in her life, sat down to write a book, and I believe that.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hundred percent. No. Yeah. Hundred. Hundred percent.
1: was the first time in her life sat down to write a book based on the Twilight Saga. She says she then discovered the phenomenon of fan fiction, and decided to publish her work online. Wow. What a weird. What a like. What a weird.
0: Journey. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Because if, if, if I am to take this she, she, at face level. She, in her face head, level, invented fanfiction. <laughs> but, like, if I am to take this at face level, then she didn't know about fanfiction before she started doing this. She just Which said, is interesting to me. Yeah,
0: she just said, I'm going to write a novel based on this novel
1: and then was like oh hey oh
0: that's a thing that's that people thing do that already exists <laughs> yes yeah, that's wild
1: to me you know and i bet she did think she invented that up until <laughs> she discovered <laughs> i, I would put money down that yeah. she believed she invented the concept <laughs> the of fan, concept of fan until she like got she, online like, got and... on the
0: internet and was like wait a second <laughs> <laughs> this is a whole thing <laughs>
1: Um she's also spoken of her her shock at the success of the books.
0: I uh, <laughs> that that I believe yep.
1: Um, quote the explosion of interest has taken me completely <laughs> by surprise. Um and then this this is my favorite part this is chef's kiss. James has described the 50 shades trilogy as quote my midlife crisis writ large all my fantasies are in there and that's it. Yeah, and you know what, Erica, so I can tell
0: that 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 quote I remember. That's from the one interview I watched <laughs> that was on like sixty Minutes or Dateline, whatever. It was some like American, you know, nightly or like weekly night news show. Um Network news show and it was yeah Somebody was interviewing and I remember her saying <laughs> If my midlife crisis writ large All my fantasies are in there because that's where I said Like I saw so, she said that like it's all Of her fantasies yeah. in there or whatever and I was Like that's how we know she has a foot fetish That's how we know <laughs> because She told us as much in her interviews Amazing Yeah
1: yeah it's my Midlife crisis it's all my fantasies Oh girl we know
0: well, yep. <laughs> we can, I, we can I mean we can, that's yep you you wrote the book. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, in August 2013, James topped Forbes' list of highest-paid authors due to her book sales, um, earnings of around 95 million, which did include five million for the film rights. Um, she was also on Time's list of 100 most influential people in 2012. Um, I mean, we, sure, yeah, I'm... sure, yeah. Uh, as well as being named Publishers Weekly's Publishing Person of the Year. That same year. That's
0: such a weird title.
1: Publishing,
0: Publishing person. person. That's I mean, like I, a backhanded ass compliment. They're not, we're, we're not going to call I mean, you an author, but you sold a lot of books. I, I was
1: assuming that they they did it like that so they could give it to like anyone in the industry. Right. Like, oh, an author or an editor or, or an agent or, or, yeah, or something, whatever. Whatever, yeah.
0: Maybe, yeah. But maybe
1: it is a backhanded
0: compliment. <laughs> well, I no, know. I don't think it's a bad. I, I think it's also probably just more like. Yeah, they can give it to anybody, and yeah. also to tie in to Publishers Weekly. Yeah. Instead of saying author, they're like, "to like it's their award," so yeah. they call it the publishing per- and whoever they give it to. Yeah.
1: Um, my last <sighs> note here um, in 2019, and I remember, I remember when this came, <laughs> when this came out. I remember hearing about this.
0: I remember the title rings yeah. a bell. Yeah.
1: She published her first book, unconnected with the fictional world of Fifty Shades, uh, titled The Mister, <laughs> to negative critical response. <laughs>
0: No, what? No, <laughs> no way, no way. I mean, it's not like the Fifty Shades series got positive critical response. <laughs> you know, it's not like it's not like it was right. not like a J.K. Rowling thing where like Harry Potter got good reviews and then she published whatever that garbage afterwards <laughs> and it got terrible reviews. You know, the the Roger Altman pen name stuff or yeah. whatever. Um, yeah, it's just like yeah, man, just continuing to write bad stuff and <laughs> publishing it. But yeah. Oh, that's fun. All right. uh, Let's learn now a little bit about the second book in the Fifty Shades trilogy Fifty Shades Darker. I
1: want you back. I had no idea what this was going to become. I don't see how this can work. You're just going to stand there gawking? Yes. Well, you said a little bit, and that is very. This is this is our briefest book fact segment yet. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's very short.
1: Uh, Fifty Shades Darker is a 2012 erotic romance novel by a one E. L. James, previously discussed. Mm-hmm. That is the second installment in the Fifty Shades trilogy. Uh, we discussed the origin story of of the Fifty Shades trilogy in our. Fifty Shades of Grey prequel um so I'm not gonna rehash that all here which is part of the reason that this segment is so short yeah um, because a lot of this segment usually is how did this book come to be
0: yeah and in particular with this one from again from our understanding these were all written
1: yeah together together
0: it it kind of was when E.L. James
1: invented fan fiction
0: yes she invented fan fiction (laughs) and then wrote it all wrote. yeah yes
1: uh, the novel reached the number two spot on the USA Today bestseller list. Uh, it is also considered by The Guardian to be number 11 on the top 100 best-selling books of all time in Holy. the UK.
0: Oh, what's up with you guys, uh, UK? What's uh, what's your guys' deal? I don't know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Let us know. That's
0: weird. I don't <laughs> like that.
1: Uh, there weren't any review poll quotes on wikipedia so i had to go looking and i could not really find any reviews that weren't from like people's personal blogs like
0: not like actual like reviews but i did
1: find i did find one from kirkus reviews uh, and kirkus called it quote not the best thing you've ever read not the worst but not to be taken too seriously
0: (laughs) that is (laughs) i would rather have if i wrote a book (laughs) I would rather have any that's maybe the worst review I've <laughs> ever heard. Like I I think I would rather have a a voracious voracious whatever the word. Is. Voracious? <laughs> voracious. Uh, a voraciously negative review of my work rather than not great, not terrible but don't take it seriously. Kirkus don't take like, it seriously.
1: Kirkus reviews really said, "Who cares?" Yeah, they
0: really, <laughs> their review was, "Who the fuck cares?" Whatever. <laughs> like that's woof <laughs> All right, I have a few more notes uh, in the movie segment, so let's learn now about Fifty Shades Darker, the film. You got me
1: looking so crazy. What do you want, Anastasia. This time, no rules. No punishments, and no more secrets. Looking so crazy in
0: love, got me looking, got me looking so crazy in love. Fifty Shades Darker is a 2017 film directed by James Foley, uh, who is known for directing Glengarry Glenn Ross, Perfect Stranger, At Close Range, and After Dark, My Sweet.
1: I've never heard of any of that. Uh,
0: the one, only one I had heard of was Glengarry Glenn Ross, which is a fairly famous or well-known um, film from the 90s or 80s, 90s. Uh, Alec Baldwin, handful of other people. It's about like real estate. It's like a, it's like a. I love
1: Sounds it's, really boring. it's like a
0: business drama, which Ugh. makes sense and then yeah. uh after dark, my Sweet is like a romantic thriller so this this guy yeah, has I like a,
1: that, a background
0: that, in like yeah that
1: resume makes sense, I suppose yeah.
0: um and then now, uh getting to the writing credit, let me take you on this journey that I went on doing the research here uh this these are the notes as I wrote them as I was <laughs> this is as I was going on this journey I wrote written by some guy named Niall Leonard, uh, who, and I went to his IMDb, clicked on his, I'm like, I've never heard of this, this writer. Let me, not that that's super uncommon because, you know, every now and then we get people I've never heard of, Um, but I clicked on his name and it took me to his IMDb page and he was known for uh, Wire in the Blood uh, and a handful of other things that seemed to be exclusively British TV shows. And I was like, okay. And I was like, man, this guy has like zero credits. And then my brain was like, Niall why does that name sound familiar and then I was like wait a second Niall is one of the people that E.L. James thanks in the acknowledgement this is E.L. James's husband (laughs) (laughs) that was what my brain did as I was researching this I was like son of a bitch So yeah, this movie and uh, the third one are both adapted by her husband. Cheers. Amazing. (laughs) Incredible. 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 We'll get into it more (laughs) in just a second here about why that is probably. Uh, But yeah, just amazing. Uh, The film stars Dakota Johnson, Jamie Dornan, Eric Johnson, Eloise Mumford, Bella Heathcote, Rita Ora, Jennifer Ailey, Luke Grimes, Victor Rasek, Max Martini, Marcia Gay Harden, and Kim Basinger. The film has an 11% on Rotten Tomatoes, a 33 out of 100 on Metacritic, and a 4.5 out of 10 on IMDb. I like to do this for the summer series for comparison's sake. The first film had a twenty-five percent on Rotten Tomatoes, so more than double the score mm-hmm. for the first film. A forty-six on Metacritic, so you know ten, eleven, or thirteen points higher, and a four-point one out of ten on IMDb. So okay. critics liked the first film more. General audiences gave the second film a slightly higher score, still low, but um, slightly higher. Half a point. None higher.
1: of this makes me feel good.
0: No, not at all. Uh, and it'll get where you, it makes sense. I mean, Oh, it's, I, I think we peaked. I think, I think our review of the first film, like as, and, and our appreciation for it as an adaptation, it's all downhill from there, baby. Cool. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> The film made 381 million against a budget of 55 million. Uh so close to 200 million dollars less than the first film made on a 15 million dollar higher budget. The first film made like 500 and something million. Uh, f- uh, f- mm. 569 cuz I remember it was 569 nice million. Uh so yeah, 200 million less and a slightly higher budget still still made tons of money. It's not like it was not successful. Right. It was still incredibly successful, just not as successful as the first one uh so uh getting into some notes here in march of 2014 a uh, producer for the first film dana brunetti had said that there were as of then no plans to make a sequel uh, the director of the first film sam taylor johnson would go on to say that there would be sequels made but that she had not been privy to discussions and officially she left the franchise on march 25th of 2015. apparently she refused to consider returning for the sequel She cited frequent clashes with author E.L. James who had received final approval on everything from the studio and that this was a source of much frustration for her. She would go on to be replaced by James Foley who was stated to quote have a great relationship with the author. So this (laughs) is I think a combination. This is this is uh, we know why James Foley uh, apparently great relationship with the author And Niall Leonard replaced our screenwriter from Mm -hmm. the first and the screenwriter left for very similar reasons. I Mm -hmm. did not include those notes here, but just the author just being hard to work with E.L. James. So very clearly what happened here is E.L. James is a nightmare person to work with, at least, and uh, wanted people who would go, yes, ma'am, whatever you say, we will do. And so she got her (laughs) husband to write the second and third film
1: oh, Gaslight gatekeep girl boss Absolutely am I right? <laughs> um, And is
0: even more evidence to your to your uh, your Argument from the first one that she is In fact not Dakota or somebody else I think That they, she is not in fact Dakota Johnson but uh, <laughs> Or not not in fact Anastasia Steele but is in fact Christian Grey Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. And you know what <laughs> I'm going to conjecture wildly But somehow it does not Surprise me that she would have more difficulty working with women. Women?
0: Oh, she does not have men. a high opinion of women based yeah. on her writing <laughs> in this film. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she,
1: she strikes me as a uh, men just cause less drama type of girl. Right,
0: yeah. Um, I will also say that it, it, it does not surprise me based on this information that the second and third films are both considerably like not even that much less, like worse regarded by critics but like notably like again the the rotten tomatoes score is half less than half of what the first film was and we we like we said in our discussion of the first film we we thought it was pretty overall like fairly well done and a pretty good adaptation getting getting rid of the only things that made that film work well in terms of like behind the camera right. the only things that made that film work which was the 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 changes they made to the characters the screenplay the, the direction the writing get rid of those two people because they actually have artistic talent and vision <laughs> and replacing them with literal literal yes men literal yes men yeah. who will be like whatever you say el james we will do Ooh,
1: whatever you say honey yes
0: uh makes perfect sense that these were downhill from there yeah yeah so excited yeah <laughs> Uh, and then, uh, on top of that, uh, in November of 2015, Universal Studios announced that the film, that this film, uh, Fifty Shades Darker, and its sequel, Fifty Shades Freed, would be shot back-to-back, with principal, p- principal photography scheduled to commence in early 2016. Uh, filming for both films took place in Paris and Vancouver from February 9th of 2016 to July 12th of 2016, uh, under the working title, apparently, of The Further Adventures of Max and Banks 2 and 3. So
1: all right
0: weird working ti- i mean working titles are always weird but but yeah i uh so they film these back to back and i think they are they they realized we need to keep the that's uh, so one way you can keep the budget down a little bit is film mm-hmm. stuff back to back don't worry about like you just do it all at once uh it works for this too in this instance for the type of films they are um but also then we don't they knew they were just going to stick with this writer and director because that's what el james wanted so they were just like all right we'll just do it all back to back (laughs) we're not going to wait and see how the second one plays out do we need to make a change or nope we're just going to film it all so we can get these done and make our money and (laughs) wash our hands of this (laughs) that is my guess of what was going on behind the scenes there uh so uh, uh getting into some imdb notes here that i thought were interesting um Dakota Johnson revealed that for their pre-game pre-game ritual before filming their sex scenes, uh, she and Jamie Dornan each had different things that they would do. She apparently would drink a glass of whiskey, <laughs> and Jamie Dornan would do push-ups, <laughs> which is amazing. A
1: relatable queen. And I just, I can just admit, I just,
0: I, I hope there's behind-the-scenes footage somewhere. <laughs> Of, of jamie dornan just doing push-ups and her in the background just sitting in a chair drinking a glass of whiskey that would be very funny to me i that I, there needs to be fan art of that if that doesn't exist already i i love that so much um uh, Dane and dornan also said that they had would have a conversation amongst themselves to kind of work out the scenes um in addition to whatever the director's instruction was uh, there's a scene in this film that shows da- uh, Jamie Dornan's character as having a UFC poster on the wall in his room. Uh, Jamie Dornan said that it was done on purpose to create a quote more masculine image for Gray. He said, "quote We wanted Christian to come across as tougher. I wanted him to be physically more imposing in this movie and to show that he could handle himself and that he could also be a bit rough. So the idea was he was into so the idea that he was into ultimate fighting made sense." End quote. Like sure what okay i guess i don't know i guess i mean i guess it makes sense i will say it makes sense if you if you buy the it, it, if if jamie dornan understands that his character is an asshole i'm yeah. not saying that being in the ufc makes you an asshole i'm just saying that his description of the character here like what he said yeah. about the character and being more physically imposing and stuff it if you're aware that if he's aware that his character is kind of a villain at times, mm-hmm. then having him be kind of an, like giving him things, character traits that are like in, <laughs> in the orbit of assholes at times is like a thing that makes sense. To, I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like,
1: yeah. No, I see what you're saying. It's that kind of like um overcompensation yeah. thing.
0: Yeah, and it's like, oh, I want him to be tough and like he's like like imposing. And like if you're if he's aware of, of the character, I don't know. I'm not saying he is. I'm just saying like if he's aware of kind of the character he's playing and, and the way he comes across, then having him have this kind of over, overcompensating machismo yeah. kind of works potentially. Cause I also like rolled my eyes and laughed at that when I read it at first. I was like, "Ah, I guess I could see it depending on the context or whatever. Uh, So this is also fun. Again, these are all IMDb trivia. So who knows? Um, Apparently after receiving backlash from the first film uh, that a clean shaven Jamie Dornan was not sexy enough as Christian gray, the producers decided that he should keep his stubble for this sequel.
1: You know what? I didn't even notice. I didn't
0: notice either, but apparently he has stubble in this one, and it's way sexier.
1: Apparently clean-shaven was not the thing. I
0: also cut out a note, but there I had a note at one point about how uh jamie dornan is apparently much beefier in this one he said he got because he for the first film he he got cast like five weeks before filming started so mm-hmm. he didn't because there was the whole thing with charlie hunnam and whatnot um so he got cast like right like a month before the film started yeah. shooting so he didn't have enough time, have time to bulk, to bulk up. up but he but for this one he <laughs> said he had like two years and so he's like jacked to shit oh in my this God. one. <laughs> apparently i
1: already hate this movie yeah
0: which is so funny because he was like a very like uh, to me his physique was like totally fine like
1: Like I it worked yeah it's like very clearly in shape
0: very in shape muscular but like believably so and like he doesn't spend all of his time working out you know like because in in this book i I just read it like literally last night uh, he says he works out like every weekday like an hour every weekday which that's a lot but if you do that that's not like the rock works out way more than one hour every weekday, <laughs> you know what I mean right like if you want to have a body like and does steroids and whatnot, but like like that that like huge like crazy muscle bound look is is more than one hour uh oh uh, five days a week or whatever um and i so I thought whatever I was like i I don't think you needed to, but sure, man, whatever I don't <laughs> never floats your boat. All right, getting into some reviews because uh, these are these are super fun. Richard Roper gave the film two out of four stars and said, "quote This is one good-looking, occasionally titillating, mostly soapy and dull snooze fest." <laughs> Vince Mancini of UpRocks acknowledged the film's flaws but said that watching the film was enjoyable, saying, "quote Narrative sloppiness aside." As an outsider, sitting through Fifty Shades Darker was a reasonably diverting experience. Odd, dumb fun made even more fun by an audience that whooped and shouted at the screen during sex scenes. I didn't really get it, but I enjoyed the feeling of them having fun, though at two hours plus, it's a bit of a slog. I like this review a lot. (laughs) I like that he's like, I wasn't into it, but it seemed like everybody else was having a good time, so... I, I just I think that's a that's a fun energy to bring to a movie review. I don't know. I don't know if it makes the most sense, but I, I enjoyed it nonetheless. Uh, Manola Dargis writing for The New York Times, expressed similar ambiguous opinions regarding the content of the film, stating quote, I was still rooting for Miss Johnson in Fifty Shades Darker, even if it proved tough going. Once again, the story involves the on and off, tie her up, tie her down romance between Anastasia Steele, Miss Johnson, and her billionaire boyfriend, Christian Grey, Jamie Dornan. A guy with sculpted muscles, expensive playthings, and dreary issues. (laughs) Stuff and kink happens, a gun is fired, a would-be rapist is punished, and Anastasia is bound hand and foot. Mostly she advances and retreats, in parenthetical repeat mules and moans and registers surprise each time christian tries to dominate her outside the bedroom (laughs) evincing the kind of stalker-like behavior that usually leads to restraining orders end quote so yeah uh it sounds like this movie very much does not follow in foot of the first film uh, of correcting some of the issues but who knows And finally, uh, Richard Brody of The New Yorker described the film as inferior to the first and found fault in the change in directors, saying, quote, Some of the greatest Hollywood melodramas, such as Douglas Sirk's Magnificent Obsession, featured plot lines of an even more extravagant absurdity than that of Fifty Shades Darker. Their extreme artifice became a framework for extreme ideas and extreme emotions, even in an era of extreme public reticence about what goes on in the bedroom. The freedom of the current age of sexual explicitness explicitness, invites realms of characterization and of intimate imagination that the first film in the Fifty Shades series hints at and the second film utterly ignores. (laughs) Fifty Shades Darker's indifference to its characters' identities, conflicts, and desires is matched by its indifference to its own cinematic substance. The film's bland impersonality is grotesque. Its element of pornography isn't in its depiction of sex, but in its depiction of people, of relationships, of situations that, for all their unusualness, bear a strong psychological and so- societal resonance. There's nothing wrong with Fifty Shades Darker that a good director couldn't fix. Oh, burn. Got him. <laughs> oh, goodness amazing i thought it was a good re- lots of really fun reviews uh, yeah. for this film people were like all right they stretched out at their keyboard uh, poured themselves a, a whiskey and were like let's do it <laughs> <laughs> time to get wild <laughs> but i <laughs> i uh, i enjoyed uh, all of those reviews Katie, uh, before we get to where people can watch it, we want to remind you, you could do us a giant favor by heading over to patreon.com, supporting us for a couple bucks a month there, get access to bonus, con- well, technically five bucks a month, you get access to bonus content, I always say that, two bucks gets you, you support us in, in a handful of things, but five bucks a month and up, you get access to our bonus content, we're about to record uh, within tonight, or at some point very soon, we're going to record uh, our bonus episode on Midsommar, which we just watched the other day very interesting film. So we'll have a discussion about that here out uh, shortly when you're hearing this within a few days or a week or something like that. You'll be hearing that bonus episode. Also, you can do us a giant favor by heading over to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Goodreads, any of the social media platforms, find us there. Uh, Search for this film was lit. Follow us, interact with us. We would like to hear from you. Katie, where can people watch 50 shades darker?
1: Well, you can check with your library. Um, or a local video rental store if you've still got one.
0: Probably got to go through those little curtains. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. No, it's probably not. Or. Maybe the unrated cut might be back there. I don't Maybe. know if they have an unrated cut. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, but barring that, you can stream this with ads on the Roku channel. Yep. Or you can rent it for around three to four bucks through Apple TV, Amazon, YouTube, Voodoo, Redbox. AMC Theaters on Demand or Spectrum TV.
0: There you go. I am not excited about this. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm like 150 pages in, and boy, I, this is.
1: <sighs> I spent the first chunk of book one just like laughing at how bad it was, right? And I spent the first chunk of this book in a visceral full body rage. <laughs> it's,
0: it's so. It's just. It's just the same. I I I can't get over how you could possibly choose to do the most boring thing with yeah. you. It's just nothing. It makes sense that they were all written like together because you didn't have any time to. She didn't like sit and think about interesting places to take the story. She just no.
1: She just kept trucking. I
0: have a feeling our our our. <laughs> our predictions from the main episodes are going to be so much more interesting than yeah. anything that ever happens yeah. in the actual series now, which is disappointing because I literally didn't... We we spent, you know, minutes literally thinking up these, like, <laughs> kind of generic ideas for where the story yeah. could go and her plot. And I at mean, least we, so far. We, we,
1: we spent so far. minutes on it, but we still, like, put some thought into right. it and, like, oh, what makes sense for this story? Right. What makes sense for, like, like I thought about how it started as fan fiction yeah. and how it was Based on Twilight. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I don't think she thought about it. I don't of think that. she thought
0: about it at all. <laughs> I think she thought I want I I want to do more of the same thing. Again, I'm only 150 pages or whatever in, but but it's but, it's the exact same thing again, yeah. and I just hate it. <laughs> uh, we shall see where it goes. All right, uh, we'll be talking about Fifty Shades Darker in one week's time. Until that time, guys, gals, non-binary pals, and everybody else.
1: Keep reading books.
0: Keep watching movies. And and keep keep
1: being awesome. awesome.